0: Welcome to This Outside Life Podcast with Lori Kaler. I'm your host, Lori, and we are here to explore and discuss the lives of outsiders. Ever notice how you feel better, more calm, and peaceful when you step outside, go for a walk, or witness a beautiful view? We all do. This Outside Life is dedicated to curing nature blindness and discovering the beauty and wonders of the world outside our doors. Whether you're a bird watcher or a mountain climber, there's something here for you. Here, we will meet and explore the lives of people who work or play in the great outdoors. Come along and step outside into mystery, discovery, and wonder. Do you know what this sound is? Isn't that crazy? That's the sound of an elephant bull seal. They are world famous at the Año Nuevo State Park in California, and we're going to learn all about it. On a gorgeous, sunny day and incredibly windy, and you will hear a lot of wind in this interview, I drove down to Año Nuevo State Park, where the world-famous elephant seals are. Christopher Tompkins was my guide. Actually, he's not technically a guide, and he'll explain that later, the hierarchy of the state parks. But he sat down with me and talked about elephant seals, why they're so unique, and why people come from all over the world to view these big fat, blubbery seals. Okay, Chris Tompkins, California State Park Aid. Aid. I
1: keep wanting to call you a guide. Is there a difference? I am not a guide, actually. Um, The docents actually do the guiding. Um, My role out in the reserve during the breeding season um, here at Año is to oversee the guided walks and to monitor the seals and to engage with the public I like to kind of joke that I'm also out there to reassure the public that there is some form of overseeing other than the docents. Now, the docents lead the tours, and they're very, very well informed, but they do need direction, and my job is to go out first thing every morning and observe where the seals are in relation to where we can take the public and to adjust the route accordingly.
0: So you have a lot of walking to do, because how far... Is it from the main area out to the
1: Seals? It's about two miles, so I always walk out in the morning. I was wearing a pedometer for a few years, and <laughs> I was clocking in 9, 10, 11, 12 miles a day. Holy cow, no wonder you're so trim and fit. That's right. That's what keeps me young, too. Um, You've got to remember that we do 25 walks a day here at Añoe. Um, they go out every 15 minutes for two and a half hours, and I engage with each and every one of them as they arrive out in the, in the on the point, out where the seals are. I meet up with the groups and introduce myself, say hello to the docents, tell the docents where they're going to be going, and then go make sure that the route is clear. So yes, I walk pretty much all day while I'm out. There.
0: Okay, well, let's back up. I've yeah. always thought that A park employee sort of job, whether you're at Yosemite or you're here along the coast side, would just be like impossible to get, and they're really difficult. So how, I mean, it's one thing to be a volunteer, a docent, but it's a whole nother thing to be what you're doing.
1: Well, I got lucky about, I've been here at Anya for 18 years, and 18 years ago they were looking for staff, and I was looking for a job, and this suited me completely. So they were happy to hire me and I was happy to hire on. Um, Agno is very seasonal. I'm year-round. I'm permanent part-time, but I am year-round. Most of our staff is not. The rangers all are, okay. but all of the park aides, all the other ones that you see here in the park, they're all part-time and they're, a lot of them are just seasonal. So yes, it is hard. At the same time, when we need staff in the breeding season, it's easy to get a job here and it Gosh. is worthwhile. So when you
0: say easy to get a job, do you mean like a docent?
1: No, like a park aide.
0: Ah, okay.
1: Docents are volunteers, too. Yeah. Yeah, they, they do have to go through a two-month, eight-week training period that's pretty, pretty extensive and yeah. pretty intensive. They okay. work pretty hard at learning the material.
0: So is the hierarchy of the California park system the same in all the other state parks? I mean, do they have, like, rangers and guides? Yes. And it's, so yes. what, what is start at the bottom and move up. That's me. I'm at the bottom.
1: I'm a park <laughs> aide. The next level up is the senior park aide. The next level up is the interpreter and the docent coordinators. And then there's a ranger, and then there's a supervising ranger, all here at Año. And that's the case with almost all California state parks. I expect it's the same with other state parks in other states. I I believe that that's what I have seen in the past, is that that's what they are.
0: So how does um, a state park ranger differ from a national park like Yosemite or... Well, Yellowstone.
1: They're, they're all peace officers to begin with nowadays. There's very, very few. And that's
0: just been recently, right? Or have yeah, they always been, been it's peace been like
1: officers? 15, 20 years. As long as I've been here, rangers have carried That's records.
0: so sad. It used to just be they were the knowledgeable flora, fauna guys, and now it's peace when I officers. Was, when
1: I was growing up, um, going to state parks and national parks back east, they were naturalist rangers, and they did not carry guns. And they led the campfire talks, and they were out there doing the hiking with the with the, the tourists and showing them how this did that and that did this. So, yes, it's been more recently that everybody carries a gun now that's a ranger.
0: Wow. Yeah, but. Of course, in Yellowstone, you've got grizzlies and wolves yeah, yeah. <laughs> and other uh-huh. things. Uh-huh. And bad human beings. Yes, yeah, More more than that. Well, let's start with the elephant seals. Mm. Okay, are there just mainly two types of seals around here? You've got elephant seals and harbor seals, or what, what kind of seals do we have along the Pacific, you know, well, northern California well, area?
1: Here, well, let's start with Año. I mean, Agno is a, is a real rarity. There are three mainland, West Coast-only elephant seal rookeries. There's ourselves, there's a small colony up at Point Reyes. There's actually a couple of little colonies, but the three main ones are ourselves, Piedras Blancas down near San Simeon, and Point Reyes. So there are elephant seals located at those three areas. Mm -hmm. Up and down the coast, forever, all the way from Baja to Alaska, you'll have a variety of other seals. There's monk seals, there's fur seals, there's harbor seals. There are different types of sea lions. Um, There are stellar sea lions and California sea lions. There are porpoises and... Dolphins yeah. and orcas and whales galore. Yeah. So, but as far as elephant seals go, elephant seals go. We're, uh, ourselves and Point Reyes and Piedras Blancas. That's it. Those. That's where the animals are.
0: And what about Mexico? Are they still any they down, are down there? Down on the islands
1: off of the coast of Mexico. Yeah, the Channel Islands, uh, San Nicolas, San Miguel, Guadalupe. There's four or five islands down there yeah. where there's a lot of seals. The population nowadays of elephant seals is over 250,000. It was back in about 1900 that there were maybe just 100 left. That was it. Okay. So it's been a remarkable success story, though.
0: How is an elephant seal different from the average seal? <laughs>
1: um, they're the biggest of them all. Yeah. They're the biggest, uh, biggest seal pinniped. They have a variety of... Adaptations, evolutionary and environmental adaptations that allow them to do what they do. They do twice yearly migrations of about 3,000 miles, which is insane.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at them and they seem so awkward on land, and yet they, and they must be Hopefully really... They
1: yeah, they must <laughs> be great swimmers. They are, and it's a pity we don't have better cameras, photography of them in the water, because they must be pretty cool to watch. Yeah. We don't have much... Photography, underwater photography of elephant seals—we got some, but not a lot. Yeah, they are hopelessly cumbersome on the land. And that being said, because we get asked that a lot, well, how fast are they on the land? Ha ha. ha. Well, they—they can outrun you over about 25 feet. They'll—they'll you know, they'll usually stop at about 25 to 50 yeah. feet because it's tiring. But in soft sand, I'm not going to try to outrun them. We never try to outrun them. We avoid them. Mm. And that's kind of one of the things that we emphasize here at Anyo, is that elephant seals are not aggressive towards humans. That being said, if you kick them, if you step on their flipper, if you get in their way, they're going to run right over you. They don't care about us. And that's male or female? The females tend, yes. Yeah, that's basically male and female. I mean, the males are the ones you see moving the most around because they're the ones that fight. And they're the ones that chase each other. The females, much more sensible. They stay very close together with their pups. And when they're done with their pups, they go back in the sea. They're only here for a month.
0: So starts. how many, you know, they have harems. You've got a guy and then a bunch of females. So is there just one male here on the shore, or they've got we several pro- harems? We
1: probably have between 40 and 50 alphas here. At just
0: the, here at Anya yeah, Nuevo. Because wow. you have
1: 4,000 animals. You have 1,500 to 2,000 breeding females. And every al- every alpha has between 25 and 50 females in his harem. So we've got about 50 alphas. we got got hundreds of... Sa- Males live to be 13 or 14. Females live into their early 20s. Okay. I think it's probably because of the weight loss and gain and the fact that you're fighting all the time and you're breeding and you're moving around and you get worn out.
0: Yeah. The so they swim an amazing amount in, in the visitor center. I saw these maps and it showed oh, yeah. them swimming up to Alaska. And uh, what, what is the ma- furthermost the point? The
1: males go all the way up into the Aleutian Islands. They generally keep along the coast within a couple hundred miles, kind of staying on top of the continental shelf. They don't feed as deep as the females. And they stay, they go all the way, kind of all the way up the coast. You probably saw the picture. They kind yeah. of make this big curve. The females go out to sea and go deeper. They basically eat the same thing. They just find it in different places. So how deep do the females dive? Well, the record, and I think this is a real anomaly because we just happened to have a a depth meter on a female, and she went a mile. Oh, wow. Which is unusual. We say generally 2,500 to 3,000 feet, and they don't always go that deep, and they don't stay that deep that long, but they can go that Mm -hmm. deep.
0: So it's said in there that um, great white sharks were their main predator. But what yep. about um, orcas and killer yeah. whales?
1: Orcas, too. Orcas will take them out. Um, we know more about great whites. We see them more. Anytime you've got a seal colony, you've got a great white colony. The orcas tend to move around quite a lot more. We don't have orcas here. Yeah, the males probably run into orcas as they go up towards Alaska. So, yes, orcas are considered one of their predators, them and the great whites. The great whites are the worst.
0: Yeah, It always amazes me. I see these surfers out here. I'm like, are you kidding? Why would you surf near seals? This is the, this is the buffet
1: area. Yeah. So The great whites live out about a half mile out beyond the island. I mean, they're there permanently. Yeah. And they, they know when it's seal pupping time. And they know when the young pups, the young weaned pups are going out to sea. And they are out there. Huh. The shark research people have tagged, I don't know, a couple of dozen pretty good-sized great whites out there. Yeah. It's, but we've never had anybody hit down here. Uh, Gary Strachan, Supervisor Ranger, lived here for 25 years on the house, and he surfed every day, and he saw two sharks way offshore, just two, in the course of 25 years. Oh. Now, I get a lot of surfers who come to me and say, Cress, I saw a fin, I saw a fin. And I often say, you saw a dolphin. <laughs> yeah, curved, it's a dolphin. Right. <laughs> um, what do you like best about your job? I like being out at the point. I like watching the seals. I like the first first thing in the morning when it's me and the seals and the last thing in the evening when it's me and the seals. But I also like dealing with the public. And I like engaging with the public. And I like explaining to the public what they're seeing. I like trying to get the public to enjoy what they're seeing and to encourage them to continue to support state parks and to just immerse themselves in what is... A ridiculously spectacular natural event, right there in front of them. Just it, I know it's raining and it's cold. But look at the seals. Look what they're yeah. doing. Yeah. Let me explain what they're doing. Let me try to engage with you. Let me try to convince you that this is a spectacular, natural thing you're never going to see anywhere else. So- Enjoy it now.
0: Yeah, I mean, and the the coastline is so beautiful. It's all craggy, oh, and you know, it's just incredibly good. You feel like you're on the coast of of Ireland or yeah. something. It's so yeah. gorgeous yeah. here. Yes, and that, we
1: are just for lucky. the walk. It's fabulous. Which is why I like walking out in the morning, and I like walking back in the evening. Walking back in the evening when the sun is setting and those hills are lit up with the sunset, mm-hmm. Lori. It is. It is worth the price of admission, at least. Yeah. It's really... So a,
0: have you seen, been surprised by any other critters while you're out and about here?
1: Bobcats we see pretty regularly, especially first thing in the morning and last thing in the, in the afternoon. We see coyotes off and on all day because they're one of the scavengers. They're one of the cleanup crew of the dead pups. Yeah. Um, I've never seen a mountain lion here. We have had sketchy reports of mountain lions in the park. Uh, we have It has been proven that mountain lions go through Anya Nuevo. An, the UCSC Puma Project gave us an incredible presentation one year. They've collar, radio collar uh, tagged a bunch of young males. Oh, yeah. And they tracked them, and they came and gave us a, pin, a, a PowerPoint presentation that showed mountain lions using Anya Nuevo like a freeway at night. Only at night, and they were coming through here, and they were headed to the northwest corner where the, most of the deer are. And oh, isn't that together. fascinating? Oh, it was fabulous! <laughs> I'm glad they were going through at night. No, no, We've yeah. never never had a public interaction with a mountain lion. Some of our docents have claimed to have seen, without camera proof, seen mountain lions disappearing into the bushes with a long tail. Okay, I maybe coyote. I'd love it. I'd love it if it was the case. Yeah. It could have been coyotes. Yeah. We see stellar sea lions out on the island, which are pretty cool. Those are very big and very rare. This is the southernmost uh, colony. Of the stellar sea lion who mostly lives up in Washington and Oregon. And they are monsters too, but they're very shy. They don't come on onto the mainland. Are
0: they as big as elephant seals? Not quite,
1: but they're bigger than most other seals. And they're very deep red. And the males have this really cool crest on their back. They're very dramatic looking. And according to the researchers who go out on the island, they're very unpleasant. (laughs)
0: <laughs> very unpleasant, yeah, so they're they're not friendly. Not at all, not at all. And how? what's the size difference between a walrus and uh, an elephant, elephant seal? Elephant seals
1: are bigger than walruses. Wait, uh, you're kidding, they're no, bigger? They're bigger. Um, the weight difference is not as much. A good-sized walrus is the same size as a good-sized female, about 1,500 pounds. But male elephant seals get to be 4,000 pounds in some cases. Wow. And they get to be 18 feet long. The big alphas, they are big animals. They are wow. huge. It is the most dramatic dimorphism of any marine mammal, the difference between the size of the female and the size of the male. Whew, glad I got that word right.
0: Yeah, you did good job. <laughs> <laughs> so what can uh, parents do? Because oftentimes I, I'm out at a state park and I see these kids running wild, and I think, how much do these uh, park guides and rangers mm. just want to grab these kids and spank mm. them? I mean, what what is your... Uh, what are the two things that drive you crazy,
1: and what are things kids not in- paying attention? But I'm pretty good at reminding kids that they're in a wilderness, wildlife reserve, not a playground, and because they love to play in the sand, and I can't, you know, restrict them from playing in the sand. Although we do try to keep them off the dunes because dunes are part of the the natural processes out here, and we're trying to keep them intact. Um, but kids playing in sand, I'm gonna let kids play in the sand if they're three, four. They're not really. Absorbing much anyway. Yeah. But other kids, Elephant Hills don't move a lot, no. a lot of the time. And kids standing there looking at Elephant Hills not moving, they're going to get bored, they're going to go play, and that's fine. I remind them to be respectful of their environment, of the other people that they're with, to be quiet and to pay attention to what they're doing, and that they're only going to be here for a little while, and that they should absorb what they're looking at, just so it, because it's different. Kids in general are pretty. Engageable. They like to see new stuff, and if you can show them something and mm. catch their attention, then they will often bounce to something else nearby, mm. and then they're then they're good for a little while. I I don't really have anything against anybody out here. Most everybody is here because they want to be. Yeah. I occasionally, get young adults, shall we say, um, who are more interested in engaging with their peers, and that's really not my job other than to walk up behind them and point out look at that bull doing that oh what oh yeah. <laughs> you know if I can catch them off yeah, guard yeah. and get them to once again just like little kids get them to engage in something then that will often spark something and they will move on to something else as well
0: <laughs> here's a subject
1: that Young adults would be interested in
0: these males when they're mating with the females. Okay, they weigh like 4,000 pounds. Mm-hmm. How do they not just crush this girl? I mean,
1: I mean, they jump on her back, don't they? Yes, and no. It's more of a subtle sliding in, spooning method of uh, reproduction. Okay, so it's from not from behind, not from behind, it's from the side more. But let me tell you a female elephant seal, if she's not in heat, she's not going to have anything to do with it. She will. Keep him from breeding her. Successfully keep and him successfully. off. Successfully, and her rear flippers are exceedingly powerful. That's their main propulsion in the ocean, and they're strong. And if she's not happy, she's going to hit him yeah. with her, <laughs> and it makes us gentlemen watching cringe and turn away. And <laughs> Wins <laughs> in sympathy with the male, um, and they just won't. I mean, they will struggle and struggle and struggle, and it will wear them out. And the male will give up. Because he somehow instinctively knows, eh? Tomorrow, she'll be in heat tomorrow or the next day. Because they won't breed if she she won't let him breed if she's not in heat, and she only has about a forty-eight to seventy-two hour breeding uh, so, period.
0: Is the most exciting time here when the males are fighting and making all that noise? I mean, like, what's the most exciting time for people to come to Anya Nuevo? It is.
1: I mean, that's what you see. That's what the pictures you see on television. That's what the nature programs show a lot. All oh, That's what our video down in the barn shows. And, yeah, it is pretty dramatic watching the males fight. They don't fight much. Fighting is counterproductive. Fighting wears you out. They don't fight to the death. Well, we've had, I've been here a long time, and we've had three deaths from fighting. So occasionally an accident will occur, and a male will kill another male, but it's not intentional.
0: That must be so painful to watch because they're slowly dying. It's not an instant death, right? So you're just standing there watching this yeah, poor loser. I've
1: seen three, over the years, three male seals have died. I have seen one killed. The other two just, we found them dead later. Fights generally don't last even a minute. A fight is over in a big hurry because Bull A realizes that Bull B is bigger than him in a big hurry, and he backs (laughs) off, because he's not stupid. Um, He's going to realize, it's not the bull I want to be fighting. If I want to get to his females, I'm going to have to use subtlety and slyness to get into the breeding opportunity, because I'm not going to be able to beat him up.
0: What (laughs) time of year is that when they all come in? January
1: and February. That's the height of the season. So
0: that's also the height of, like, the worst weather. It's raining, it's blowing, it's cold, but that's when they all
1: come in and they're... Absolutely the best time of year out here is when the weather is the absolute worst. These are massive, great, blubbery animals. They hate the sun. The sun puts them to sleep. They don't want to move when it's hot and sunny. When it's cold, wet, rainy, miserable, when you and I are shivering, that's when they come alive.
0: They're feisty and, and making noise. So why do they make that deep, guttural
1: sound? Well, it's a very good question, um... It is a warning, basically, and it's also one of the sequences of discouraging younger bulls. Younger bulls, they challenge an older bull. An older bull doesn't want to fight anymore. than he has to because it wears them out. He's here for three months without eating. He doesn't really need to fight more. He's got breeding to be done. That's much more important, much more fun.
0: Wait, so the whole time they're here on land breeding, they they're not eating. They're no. not going into the ocean nope. and eating?
1: No. and the males are here for three months. So they're living off their blubber. They lose up to, what is it, 25% of their, of their body weight. They could lose 1,000 pounds here on land. So they're, wow. it's tiring. That's why they don't move so much. Everything is about saving energy out here. So if a younger bull challenges an older bull, the older bull, the first thing he's going to do is he's going to look at that younger bull. He's going to give him the snake eye. Huh? He's going to say, you don't want to mess with me. And the younger bull might say, oh, yeah? And then the older bull will lift up his head and kind of give the younger bull the look <laughs> with the nose. And if that does he'll stick his head up like that, and he'll say, look at my nose. See how big of I am? You really want to mess with me? And if the younger bull still thinks, yeah, I'm coming after you, then the older bull will vocalize, and he'll say, listen to my voice. And the younger bull will often recognize that, bo- that voice from another engagement that he might have had with that older bull earlier in the season or even in a prior year. They know each other's voices. So when that bull goes, oh, oops, okay, yes, you're right, that's you, I forgot, I'm going to go over here now. If that doesn't work, if the vocalization doesn't work, then the older bull will come after the younger bull. But basically, it's a a level of discouragement, let's put it that way.
0: So it's not calling females or saying this is my area, it's strictly about fighting another? It is
1: saying this is my area. They will vocalize when they first come on shore. They will wait offshore and they will vocalize and they will call out, A, to hear if anybody calls back so that they, the one in the water, will know who's exactly on land. And if the the bull on land is more powerful than the bull out in the water, that bull in the water may go somewhere else and come on shore. Oh, so he remembers their call and decides whether or not it's worth coming ashore. Yes, I don't want to deal with that guy. I'm going to go somewhere else and deal with him there. They do know each other's voices, especially the older bulls from year to year. That's oh, very that's cool.
0: So, what are these bull sounds that he's talking about? Let's listen to a recording.
1: The UC researchers have done a bunch of research recording bulls' voices, and they've played them back to see what the response is. And they will play back, and a bull will move directly away from that because he recognizes that voice.
0: Oh, that's you know, amazing.
1: Cool. We had one bull who heard another bull recorded voice of the other bull and came after the the tape recorder and smashed it.
0: Serious? Yeah. Oh, so they yeah. didn't hold it out there. They no, just...
1: they set it up there and left it, <laughs> yeah. Another thing, Anya Nuevo bulls have a different dialect than... Piedras Blancas bulls. They have taken the recordings and played, the, uh, played a monster big alpha bull, the most powerful alpha bull that we had one year here. They took it down to Piedras Blancas and played it. The bulls down there went, What's that? What's that? Oh, baby? really? So it's like a it different. Did, it did not deter them at all. Very strange. That's Very amazing. Cool stuff. Very cool stuff. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Interesting. So, no, it's not calling out to the females. It is often saying, I am here. Is there anybody... And we'll hear the younger bulls out in the reserve in the course of a day, just talking, just to see who's around. Do I need to worry about you? Hey, hey! Do I need to worry... Do you hear me? Uh It's me over here! And then you listen. And if nobody answers, either it's because everybody's scared of you, or everybody doesn't care about you at all.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what about the females? Do they vocalize at all? They
1: talk to their pups. And their talking to their pups is absolutely critical. In the first hour after they're born, they talk almost endlessly. The mum and the pup talk to each other. It's the only way they really recognize each other. They don't recognize each other by smell. Let's face it, one young pup looks an awful lot like another young pup. Yeah. They know they learn each other's voices in a big hurry. Because in that harem, in that chaos of a harem, everybody stays very close together. And the mums and the pups talk a lot. It's like, come on, come on, come on, come over here, come over here, come here and bah, 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 bah. and they 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 know each other's voice.
0: Well, what are these sounds that these pups and moms make to each other? Christopher actually did a pretty good imitation. Let's have a listen to the real thing. <laughs>
1: Is how they stay together. That
0: reminds me of penguins. You know, you see them yes. coming back into their massive oh, colonies, yeah. and they know which Ab- chick is theirs. Yep,
1: absolutely. Yeah, it's okay. adorable out there.
0: Have you had any, like, wow, transcendent moments out here where you just everything day.
1: came to- together? What a day! Practically, I rarely have a day out here that I don't have some moment when I'm just all by myself out in the universe. And it, it, it could be from talking to somebody. It could be just from observing an animal do something, doing something. Or it might just be standing for a moment in between groups at a moment of calm and going, this is great. Mm-hmm. Almost every day I have a, as you say, a transcendental moment. It's why wow. I keep working here. You
0: know, I was amazed during my tour. The docent took us and she was saying um, a little snippet towards the end. And she said, oh, you know, here's the ocean and, you know, we should take care of our ocean. Because, hey, does anybody here like to breathe? And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is like mm-hmm. one of the most important moments of this whole tour. About the You know, everybody thinks it's the, the rainforests that give us the oxygen. It's like, no, the ocean's even yeah. more so. And it was just this sort of That's throwaway good. line. I thought,
1: wow. You know, could have worked that more. Yeah,
0: I was thinking, yeah. you know, people need to realize more the health of the oceans is wild. You're breathing.
1: Yes, indeed. It's really good exposure out here. Our docents do have a lot of material to cover, and some of them really do focus on that. There's so much to talk about. Out
0: yeah, here, there's like, a ton. Oh, I've always heard a little different nuance yeah. of it, and there's so yeah. much information. I'm amazed that, yeah. uh, what's the training like to, is, to be a docent? It's pretty
1: intensive. It's eight weeks. It's uh, once or twice a week. Every, every new docent gets a mentor, an experienced uh, prior docent um, that they do Ver- is it three or four different mock walks they call of it um, and then when the season starts the mentor goes out with the mentee for the first couple of walks while they're doing their first public walks. It's eight weeks of lectures and pres- being here, a lot of classroom work, there are different speakers that come in to address different topics, the rangers come in, researchers come in those of coordinator, interpreter staff do an do incredible job the program has developed remarkably well in the last well since I've been here since certainly in the last 10 years it's gotten really terrific
0: so these docents they they're not paid right they just volunteer and what do you think is their motivation
1: Uh, a lot of them are retired so they are looking for something to do Um, most everybody has joy a love of the outdoors they're out there in rain or shine they're out there when the weather is visible too and they don't mind A lot of them are older and by age even, and they don't. They think this is, this is what's keeping them young. This is what's keeping them.
0: Oh, absolutely!
1: Hiking around this. They love it. Uh, We have a lot of retired teachers who are very comfortable dealing with groups, which is wonderful. We are trying to advocate for a younger set of docents just to try to keep the younger people engaged and involved. And so we are pushing to get some younger people in, and we have some younger people coming up to be docents. It's difficult if you're not retired, if you have a job, mm-hmm. you know, because you are required to be here. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. Can you do it part-time? Not really. Um, yes, you can apply for leave of absence for the breeding season, but I mean, for the roving season, the off-season, but we really encourage them to commit to year-round. Mm-hmm. It's really important to keep the... Keep the focus, keep the pattern going, and to stay abreast of what's going on here at Año. And it's not fair for the docents that are here year-round for you just to be here for the So do
0: all state parks have docents?
1: No, not Most state parks have a docent program, a volunteer program. I mean, all the ones here in Santa Cruz, anything, Wilder, Cowell, Big Basin, they all have docent programs. We have 185.
0: Just at Año Nueva. Yes.
1: And that's many more than most everybody else's. Nobody else has elephant seals. Yeah. Henry Cowell has the Redwood Loop and the Redwood Trails. Wilder Ranch has the old buildings and the farm. Uh, big Basin has Redwood Trees and Redwood Trails. So their programs are more specific to that, of course. We need, I mean, that's what, that's what the program got set up for when Strachan was here. I mean, he said, we need to have guides out here. We need to get volunteers out here mm-hmm. in a big way. We do 25 walks a day for three and a half months. That's a lot of walks. That's a, that's lot a of heck of a lot of walks. You know, that's a lot of docents. And then in the off-season, there are still three, four docents out here every day. Sometimes as many as five yeah. or six. So, And they are absolutely devoted. And some of them have been here for 20 years yeah. and do thousands of hours a year on, yeah. in, their, in their volunteer work.
0: Well, it's an incredibly beautiful place to work. I, I mean, they love it. And
1: they last... So rarely get docents who are here for a year or two. It is really, we've got a lot of docents into double digits um, years yeah. here at Año. And it's a real tribute to A, their longevity, and B, their love of us, which is yeah. great, and their love of Anyo. I mean, the fact that we work so, State Parks works really well with, with volunteers.
0: So is there anything else that uh, I didn't cover that you think people should know?
1: There are southern elephant seals down in South America. They are bigger than our males, but their noses are smaller. Oh, how funny. Why is that? We don't know.
0: And why do they have these big noses? Is that just for intimidation? Because it doesn't serve any purpose.
1: I like to joke that the bigger the nose, the bigger the bull. The bigger the bull, the better the bull. Because a female, the female is looking for a protector. When she comes on land, she wants an alpha who's going to keep her from being harassed by all those younger bulls. So she wants the biggest bull she can find. And the biggest bull is going to have the biggest nose because the nose, like the bull, grows every year. The so
0: when they're about ready to die, they must be just massive. Oh, they, are.
1: they are immense. They are 4,000 pounds. They're 16, 18 feet long. They have noses that are up to 2 feet long. They are battle-scarred. They have massive great chests that are covered with scars. They've got scars on their necks. They've got bite marks. They're monsters. And what we... about shark bites? Do any yeah. of them come in with shark We bites? see them a lot with shark bites. Um, They have three to four inches of blubber. They can take an incredible amount of abuse from a shark and still survive it. We do see, most sharks probably see a big alpha bull. They don't wanna mess with him because he's gonna fight back. They got thousands of wieners to pick on. They got lots of younger, juvenile animals. I think they leave the bigger animals alone. If they encounter a big animal, they'll take take them on. We had a, a big bull die this past year down at Cove Beach. Mm -hmm. A 10, 11, 12-year-old bull who died from a bite that was pretty huge and pretty awful. At the end of the season, when the alphas have been here for three months, and they've been breeding and fighting, and everybody is gone, and they've lost a 1,000 pounds, we we can get pretty close to them then because they are just laid out. They're just stretched out. They're waiting to go back to sea when they're hungry enough. And when there's no chance there's any females anywhere left on the beach. <laughs> the and it, weeks go by, and they're still out there laying. And we get close, and we see how big they are. Even in their depleted, deflated state, we still see them. And they are beautiful. They're extraordinary. Poor things. Huh. They're wiped out. I've just been very blessed and very lucky and very fortunate to have been able to be here to survive being out here um, doing a job that I love.
0: You're so great with people. Do they give any sort of personality tests when people apply for
1: these jobs? Um, I'm sure there's some screening that goes on um, by the hiring. I don't do the hiring. I do meet a lot of the new park aides and give a little input as to where I think they might fit in best here at the park. No, we don't do uh, I don't think you come to state parks uh, unless you really want to be here. Yeah. It's, not a, it's not a great salary, but it is a really right livelihood to have. Oh,
0: yeah. You're you're making a difference in people's lives, and you're getting outside, and you're helping encourage people to get outside. It's
1: very satisfying to see people enjoy what you're giving them, and that's what we get here at Anya. That's why the docents are here. They like it, too. They may complain about the group that they had this morning or the kids in the group this afternoon. But you can see the joy in them when they're out there presenting their stuff to their material and engaging with people. we got some really good docents. It's great. I talk to a lot of foreign visitors, and they hit the national parks when they come here. And they go to Grand Canyon, Yosemite, and Año Nuevo. And so,
0: Serious. I would have thought you'd say Yellowstone,
1: <laughs> exactly. Grand Canyon. They do. I mean, I'm, we are. We must be on some lists in some guidebooks in Europe because we see, and I say, where are you going next? And they, well, some of them also go to Las Vegas, which is unfortunate, but it's just part of their trip. Yes, we went to the Grand Canyon and then we go to Yosemite tomorrow and we here today. It's nuts, but it's wonderful.
0: Do people need to make reservations here? Is it hard to get oh, in? Oh, in the
1: breeding season, you better make a reservation. You okay. really do. It's yeah. It's... We do 25 walks a day. It's 20 people per walk. That's 500 people. We probably turn away half, the, again, that many every day. Wow. And they show up thinking, oh, I'll just go on the walk. And we have to say, no, I'm really sorry. A little yeah. quick tip to to come is when the weather's the worst. Yeah. Because people don't come. You just come in, be prepared. The weather is frightful out here wow. sometimes. Out on the point, it's about as bad as it gets here on the yeah,
0: coast. Yeah, it's, it's, what, 30-mile-an-hour winds, driving, rain, freezing. yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Yeah, the seals love it. The seals yeah. are the most active when it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you
0: very much for doing oh, well, this. It's been, it's been just delightful, pleasure. and I learned a lot, too. Thank Good you. Time.
1: Not at thank all. Happy so to uh, do it with you, and hopefully it will encourage other people to enjoy what I enjoy here at Año Nuevo. Yeah, so yeah. thank you, Lori. Thank you. Sure.
0: So, what have we learned? Elephant seals are found mainly in three areas on the California coast side. Here at Año Nuevo State Park, then down south by Hearst Castle in San Simeon at Piedras Blancas, and a small group up north of the Golden Gate Bridge in Point Reyes. But by far, the biggest is here at Año Nuevo State Park. You can see males, or bulls, up to 4,000 pounds and 16 to 18 feet long, with about 3 to 4 inches of blubber. They make walruses look like minnows. The whole time the bulls are on land, they don't eat. They spend about three months just mating and fighting on land. Best time to go is in the worst weather. December through March, when it's really raining and cold. This is when they are the most active. Make reservations, because you'll get turned away if you don't. If you can't get in, come on a horrible day. Chances are someone won't show up because of the weather, and you'll get in. Wear the right clothes, waterproof and windproof, and shoes that are good for squishing through sand dunes. There is a wonderful gift store at Anya Nuevo. They have hats, puppets, plush toys, cards, socks, and everything a tourist expects at a state park gift store. Check out the website for more information, photos, and information sheets for young learners. You can find all this at www.thisoutsidelife.com slash elephant seals. And please don't forget to leave a review in iTunes. It really, really makes a difference. And after you leave that review, don't forget to take some time to step outside and step into wonder.